welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, a podcast dedicated to ladybirds. I am your host, Rachel, and I will take you on a journey through their world. Each episode, I will discuss the what, where, how, and most importantly, why of ladybirds. What are the different types of ladybird? Where are ladybirds found? How do ladybirds spend the winter? Why are ladybirds so horny? You name it. Now, bear in mind, I'm not an entomologist and can't say for sure that what I say is entomologically correct, although I do my best. I just like ladybirds. About eight months ago, I started an Instagram account called 365.ladybird, where I usually post one picture or video of a ladybird every day. Although recently, I've been a bit slack. I've been a ladybird enthusiast for a long time, and recent events in the past year or so have helped to rekindle my interest. For example, on a beech tree in my local park, I was lucky enough to discover thousands of 16-spot ladybirds overwintering on the bark. I've seen around 20 different species of ladybird in the last year, just in my local area, out of a total of 47 different species in the UK. I've been so pleasantly surprised by the amount of people who liked my ladybird posts on this Instagram account that I've decided to turn it into a podcast. There are over 6,000 species of ladybirds in the world, or to give them their scientific name, Cochinellidae and new ladybirds are still being discovered. In fact, I'm planning to dedicate a future episode of the show to a ladybird that was discovered last year. They are some of the most well-loved insects in the world. There is a famous series of ladybird children's books, a popular cartoon series called Ladybug and Cat Noir, and even fashion lines inspired by the Beatles. In fact, when I went to a swimming pool last week, there were several ladybird beanie babies on sale by the checkouts. As I'll shortly discover, Ladybirds are even important in religion. Many names for ladybirds originate from religious themes, from Our Lady's Bird in medieval England, Moses' Little Cow in Yiddish, to The Devil's Chickens in Italian. So in some ways, it's somewhat surprising that I don't think anyone has started a podcast about them until now. I'm really grateful for the support and encouragement I've received. I got my podcasting break on the Ungagged podcast, where I've recorded segments for a few different episodes. Ungagged is a Scottish podcast which features music and political discussions and has several different contributors, each recording a section. So thanks very much to everyone involved, in particular to Deborah Torrance, who recorded music at this week's show and designed some of the artwork. I'm also very grateful to the host of the Casual Birder podcast, Susie Buttress, for the advice and recommendations she gave me, and to the true crime enthusiast Paul for his advice and support. If you haven't checked any of these out, I really recommend you do so. I'm also hoping to have a few guests on the show this season, so please watch this space. But I'm sure you guys are dying for me to get on with the subject of this week's episode. The mystery of the murder of Mrs McGonagall's prized rosebushes. Culprit was none other than the Seven Spot, which is the subject of this week's episode. Now, until the arrival of the Harlequin ladybird, the Seven Spot was the most common ladybird in the UK. And if you live in the UK, it is probably what you think of when you think about a ladybird. You might have seen one on a plant, or had it crawl on your finger. But there is more to this creature that meets the eye, a lot more. The scientific name of the seven spot is Cochinella septum punctata. Cochinella means ladybird, and septum punctata means seven spotted, and it's usually abbreviated to C7 by entomologists. That's fairly simple, isn't it? Using Latin names means that if scientists want to communicate with each other, they don't need to worry about local dialects or one name being used to refer to different things with one example being Daddy Longlegs. That can either mean a crane fly or a harvestman, which is an arachnid with long legs similar to a spider. If you said, I saw a Daddy Longlegs yesterday, 
it wouldn't really be clear what you're talking about. But if you use the formal Latin name for whatever you mean, there is often less scope for confusion. Even today, regional names for the seven spot include Lady Clock, Bushy Barnaby, the Bishop that Burneth, Lady Cow and others before you've even left the UK. Just imagine if you read these names for the first time and you don't know what they mean. Imagine if you'd seen a seven spot for the first time and asked what it was and one person said, that's a Bishy Barnaby. Someone else said, that's a seven-pointed ladybug. Then a third person said, that's a bishop that burneth. You wouldn't have any idea what was going on, would you? Many scientists say that it's far easier for them to talk about Cochinella septum punctata than having to work out this other terminology, and I'm inclined to agree with them there. Seven spots are usually seven to ten millimetres long. Their wing cases are elytra or red or orange. As the name suggests, they almost always have seven spots. These are usually around the same size on each side of the ladybird. There is one additional spot up in the centre near its head and one half of the spot is on each wing. There is a white patch on either side of that spot. Their faces have been described as looking somewhat like a panda because of the black and white markings on the side and at the front of their pronotum. Now if you don't know what this is, imagine you're looking at the ladybird from above. The pronotum is between the head and abdomen. The abdomen's where the wings are and the head's where the antennas are. That's the hard section that's covering the thorax. Their antennae are short and clubbed, like most cochinellids. Now imagine that the ladybird is on its back. The legs and abdomen of the seven-spotted back, just below its top pair of legs, there is a pair of white markings, and that's actually quite important, because there's a rare species that's quite similar to a seven-spot, and that's called the scarce seven-spot. Now this cochinellid is rarely found more than two metres away from an ant's nest. However, a seven-spot is found almost anywhere in the UK and indeed you can see it in at least 73 different countries. But a major way to tell them apart is to turn them over. A scarce seven spot will have two pairs of white markings on the underside and a seven spot will just have one pair. There's a common misconception that the amount of spots on a ladybird's back show how old it is, but that's not really the case. Seven spots always have seven spots as adults. When the ladybird first hatches out from its egg though, it doesn't really look like a ladybird at all because they go through metamorphosis the same as caterpillars and butterflies. The yellow eggs are laid in neat clutches, and it's often hard to tell the type of ladybird from the egg. A female seven spot can lay up to a thousand eggs in her lifetime, and in the UK, seven spots usually have one generation per year, although in warmer countries they produce more. Seven spot larvae are small and black when they first hatch out. They molt four times and eventually come to look like small blue-grey crocodiles with yellow spots. As soon as they hatch, they are after only one thing, and one thing only, aphids to eat. The entire purpose of this period of being a larva is just to eat as much as possible. This is easier said than done because they don't ha only have to find aphids, they also have to catch them. According to the entomologist Richard Comont, seven-spot larva might have to catch and eat an aphid several times bigger than itself, and that just means being dragged around while its victim tries to escape. The larva is often unable to eat the entire aphid and will just suck out its juices. However, many larvae starve to death as they are unable to eat enough aphids to keep going. The larva will shed its skin four times, each time getting bigger and bigger from all the aphids it's eating. Eventually, it will stop producing the juvenile hormone which keeps it at this larval stage and when that happens, it will just start looking for somewhere to pupate. By that time, it might be as big as 10 millimetres long. A young seven spot will attach itself to a leaf or another surface, somewhere it's unlikely to be disturbed by predators, and then it will shed its skin for the last time to reveal the pupa. At first, the pupa is bright orange when the larva's just shed its skin. However, it soon darkens into orange and black colours. It will stay like this for a couple of days to two weeks, depending on the temperature and other conditions. 
with hotter conditions meaning that the ladybird could come out in two days. It might seem that nothing's going on in there, but actually a lot is going on in there. The ladybird is developing its outer organs such as its wings and antennae. Its body is undergoing a restructuring, and when it is ready to come out, it pushes its way out. Instead of being red with seven spots, its, le- its wings will be bright yellow at first and look a bit like orange peel. It might stand on the pupil case for a while while it dries out and its wings harden up. And while it's in this state, it's very, very vulnerable to predators such as ants and wasps. It's still getting used to its new body and everything will still be very, very soft. It will open out its wings so they're able to dry out and the spots will appear in a few hours. Now, once the ladybird is up and running again, it doesn't have to worry about predators so much. All ladybirds produce a variety of bitter tasting and toxic substances. In the case of a seven spot, it produces cochineline and precochineline. If you disturb a ladybird, you might notice that it releases a yellow liquid. That is just reflex blood that it bleeds, mainly from its joints. It does that to deter predators, and in most cases it works. If a bird eats a ladybird once, it's unlikely to eat one again. Even most spiders have difficulty in eating ladybirds, which often fall into their webs but don't usually get eaten. A few species have even evolved to parasitise ladybirds, such as the wasp Dinocampus cochinelle, which will be covered in a future episode. Experiments have established that seven spots are poisonous to many birds, and they will just avoid anything resembling this ladybird. In one particularly nasty experiment, blue-tit chicks fed on a diet of seven spots died within a few days. It seems a bit of a cruel and pointless experiment, doesn't it? In most cases, it just seems to be that birds will eat seven spots only when there's nothing else around. But swifts and swallows have actually evolved less of a problem with eating them. They are designed to catch flying insects, and they can't really check what their prey is before eating them. As mentioned before, the seven-spot ladybird is found in 73 different countries, and its natural range stretches across Europe, North Africa and Asia through a vast array of habitats. These include forests, mountainous areas, grassland, tundra, coastal areas, agricultural land and urban areas. That is incredibly adaptable, and it's been found on 250 different plants in the UK alone. Seven spots are also known to migrate, and they can even migrate across the sea. For example, in warmer years, seven spots often migrate across the channel from France to England. They might also move abroad in search of food or somewhere cool and high above sea level to hibernate. These ladybirds have been recorded flying at 37 miles an hour, although the average is about 20 miles an hour, and they can fly about 3,600 feet above sea level. They can stay in the air for up to two hours at a time. In the past, because the population of seven spots in Japan became geographically isolated from other ladybirds, they develop slightly differently, although they're still the same species. Cochinella septumpunctata bricki, which lives in Japan, often has bigger spots than a normal seven spot, and the spots are often merged, which seldom happens here. A Japanese Instagram follower of mine recently posted a picture of a Japanese seven spot with merged spots. You can occasionally find all black seven spots, although I've never seen one. Have you ever seen one? If you have, please let me know. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, ladybirds play a role in religion, and the seven spot has a strong association with Catholicism. It is believed that the name ladybird comes from Our Lady's bird, Our Lady being the Virgin Mary. In German, a ladybird is called Marienkäfer, or Mary's beetle, which supports this view. The seven spots were thought to represent the seven joys and seven sorrows of Our Lady. The red colour was thought to represent the red cloak that Mary was depicted as wearing in old paintings. Possible explanation for why this might actually be include the fact that ladybirds seem to live a charmed life, not in danger from birds or other animals, or that farmers pray to Mary to stop pests such as aphids from eating their crops, and their prayers were then answered with these beetles. 
it just seems like a good thing to pray for, doesn't it? As one seven-spot ladybird can eat more than 5,000 aphids in its lifetime. They don't only eat aphids, but they can also eat mites, thrips, scale insects and other pests when aphids are in short supply. Sometimes they're also known to feed on pollen, nectar and even fruit, which maybe isn't so good if you're a farmer. But the vast majority of what they do eat does consist of aphids, and if you're a medieval farmer that would have been perfect. Because the seven-spot is such an efficient predator, it was introduced into America last century and has since become the official insect of several American states. But this did have a darker side as it outcompeted and displaced the native ladybirds already found there, such as the nine-spot ladybird, which is now reported to be on the brink of extinction. That is similar to what's been happening with the harlequin, which was also introduced in the US, and that's known there as the multicoloured Asian lady beetle. Perhaps the seven-spot should just have stayed where it is. Although seven-spots are very unlikely to live each year for, for each of their spots, they can live a long time. They have been known to live as long as three years, hibernating or overwintering in, in two consecutive years. As soon as they've hatched out, the race is on to eat as much food as possible for their winter dormancy. In particularly hot countries, the seven spots also have a summer dormancy period where they conserve energy and aren't active. In hot mountainous areas in summer, seven spots might fly to the top of the mountain and where it's cold until conditions are better. But whether it's summer or winter, the more they eat now, the more chance they've got to survive. In the UK, from autumn onwards, they'll start looking for somewhere to spend the winter, maybe on the bark of a tree, on leaf litter on the ground, in seed heads, on fence posts or dead leaves. But on Boxing Day last year, I even found a seven spot on a fence post. Interestingly, they often hibernate together with other seven spots, and often along with other types of ladybird. On the base of a tree in my local park, I found five seven spots and hundreds of 16 spots. They will stay in position until it's warm enough to come out, probably in spring, but fluctuations in temperature and mild winters can be really bad for ladybirds, as they might wake up too early before there's any aphids that are out. They might also wake up and get taken by surprise by the cold. Maybe they weren't prepared for it, maybe they didn't have enough food. It can be quite bad. While researching this episode, I found a paper on the seven spots in Japan. In Western Europe, seven spots usually only produce one generation of young per year. But in Honshu in 2005, researchers found that while most seven spots they examined on a sunny south-facing riverbank were hibernating, some were active and some were even breeding, despite the outside air temperatures being way too cold for this. They found that the beetles were making use of thermal conduction, artificial microclimates were found in metal cans, paper and other man-made objects warmed by the sun to lay their eggs, feed, reproduce and pupate. What also helped these ladybirds breed during the winter is with aphids are in plentiful supply. And if you know anything about seven spots breeding is something they really like to do particularly in spring or summer a week or so ago on a sage plant in my garden i saw two seven spots really going at it really rocking and rolling there and they were there for ages and ages have you seen a seven spot doing something interesting or funny recently or do you have any comments about the episode i'd be really interested perhaps there's something i've missed out or perhaps you'd like to know more about something i've said please message me on instagram at 365.ladybird on my facebook page hidden wings and bloodlust or leave me a comment or review and i'll get back to you as soon as possible i also have a patreon page www.patreon.com slash hidden wings and bloodlust i'm still feeling my way around and working this out so please do let me know if you've got any suggestions the next episode will be on the 22 spot ladybird psilobora vincta duopunctata it should be coming out in two weeks it's probably my favorite ladybird so i'm really excited to talk about it Thanks so much and I really hope you'll join me again next time. Bye for now.